listening to the Refinery Church Podcast. Each message comes from our Saturday night service in Brea, California. We pray these messages will build your faith and encourage you today. I'm super excited. We're in this series called Heart Matters. And it's a series all about honor. Uh, we at Refinery Church, we believe that there is a lost virtue, and that virtue is honor. And honor really isn't uh, just something that we do because we think we're supposed to. It's something that comes from our heart. Pastor Kelly last week um, talked about the who in which we were supposed to honor. He talked about how we're supposed to honor God, we're supposed to honor those around us, and we're supposed to honor those who are in less fortunate circumstances to us. Tonight, I'm going to be continuing on in this series, and I'm going to be talking about one of the who's and who we're supposed to honor. Tonight, we're going to be talking about honoring God. So, if any of you know me, I like to teach in story. Um, I, I've taught here a couple times at Refinery Church, and I like to teach in story because I believe that story is one of the most powerful ways to communicate something to the human heart. Do you guys realize that? Story or narrative is one of the most powerful ways to communicate something to the human heart. You know, I talk to people all the time, and a lot of people, you know, they feel intimidated by the Bible because they believe that they have a perception of the Bible, that the Bible is just actually full of theological information or old English text that, you know, we can't really understand anymore, or it's dry, or it's boring. But reality is, the Bible is actually full of stories. Why? Because God knows that stories touch you something deep inside of you. God knows that stories um, speak to your heart. God knows that when he speaks in story, we can put ourselves into that story. We can understand what's going on, what it's about. So tonight, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you guys a story. Does that sound all right? all right? You guys cool with that? You guys awake? Come on. I need a little bit more love today. I'm not the normal teacher, so I need a little bit more response, okay? So I'm going to be teaching a story. So what we're going to do is I'm going to read us a story. I'm going to do my best to try to like make it relevant for us today. I'm going to um, hopefully make it come alive for you today, maybe like a, a Bible story never has before. I'm going to give us some personal application for us here in 2018. I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end to respond, and then guess what? We're done. We get to go outside. We get to drink hot chocolate. We get to hang out. It's going to be awesome. Cool? All right. Does it sound like a plan? Yeah. All right, cool. So if you would, if you have your Bibles with me, if you... Uh, Took the, you had the willpower to take it from your house, put it in your car, drive to the car, drive here, take it out, bring it to you, take out your Bible to Matthew 15. If you don't have a Bible and you're not a good Christian, um, uh, we have technology. No, I'm just kidding. No judgment here. Uh, no judgment. This is a judgment-free zone. Remember the tucked-in shirt, the mustache, judgment-free, okay? All right, so we, if you don't have a Bible, we have it on the screen, but we're going to be reading a story out of the book of Matthew. And in this story, Jesus is talking to the religious leaders of the time known as the Pharisees. So I'm just going to jump right in and read it, and then we're going to unpack it together. So follow along with me. Then the Pharisees and the scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the traditions of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. 
He answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded you to honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, If anyone tells his father or his mother, What you would have gained from me has been given to God, he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. This is where it gets intense. You hypocrites. Did Isaiah prophesy you when he said, The people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. We're going to go ahead and stop there for tonight. See, for Jesus... Honoring God wasn't a matter of doing the right thing. It wasn't a matter of saying the right thing. It wasn't a matter of going through the motions. No, honoring God happened through believing in our hearts the truth. See, for Jesus, honoring God was a matter of the heart. So before we unpack this story, would you bow your heads with me and let's pray, believing that God's going to speak to us tonight. Father in heaven, um, we come before you tonight with an expectation that your word is living and it's active and you've given it to us as a way to teach us what to do, where to go. And so tonight, Jesus, I, I want to get out of the way, Lord, and I want your, your, your heart to speak. Holy Spirit, would you come right now? Would you begin to soften our hearts as we hear your word? Father, would you begin to speak to us clearly as we hear this story? Would we be able to put ourselves into it and hear what your desire is for us? Lord, I know that there are people in this room that are desperate for an answer. So Holy Spirit, I pray tonight you'd give them that answer. Holy Spirit, I pray tonight you'd bring conviction, you'd bring peace, and you'd bring joy. We love you, Jesus. In your name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Have any of you guys um, ever believed something and believed it for a long time only to find out that what you believed actually wasn't true? I asked my wife about this. She said, literally every day of my life. You know, like, it's it's something that we struggle with all the time. The hard thing about lies... The hard thing about lies is that you never know you actually believe a lie because it's proposed as truth. Do you hear what I'm saying? You never actually know that you believe a lie because it's proposed as truth. The best lies are the ones that seem the most true, right? If you want to be a really good liar, I'll give you here a tip. Just make 90% of it really true and make 10% not true. Right? And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, wow, this is really convincing. And that's the problem. We don't know the lies that we believe. And the plot gets even thicker because when we believe something, belief is one of the most powerful forces in the universe, right? Belief is what drives someone to do something. If someone believes something, it's going to perpetuate their actions. But the problem is, you don't know what you believe is a lie because you believe it to be, it's presented as a truth. And this is exactly what's happening here in Matthew 15. 
So let me explain tonight. In order for us to be able to understand all that's going on in the text that I'm reading tonight, we need to make sure we understand the context of everything that's going on here. And though I only read seven verses tonight, there's actually thousands of years of history um, packed into this little thing. Um, So we need to understand two things in order to understand what Jesus is talking about here in Matthew 15. There's two things on the slide. You can put them up. We need to understand what the commandments are, that which is given by God. And we need to understand what the traditions are, that given by man. So bear with me. I know I've um, made some people upset tonight, but bear with me. We're going to get a little deep tonight. I'm going to unpack this, but I promise you it's going to be worth it. Back in the Old Testament, there was a man named Moses. Any of you familiar with uh, Moses, the character Moses in the Bible? Uh, You might be familiar with the story. Think about plagues, the crossing of the Red Sea. Maybe you've seen that movie, Prince of Egypt, right? It's a classic That's a great movie, right? I don't know anything about it, but it's great, okay? And there's this man named Moses, and he is the man in which God had chosen to lead the people of Israel out of Egyptian slavery. So the uh, the people of Israel were the people of God. Now, when the people of Israel crossed the Red Sea, and were free from the captivity of the Egyptian slaves, they had this new found freedom. Now, I didn't realize this, but scholars believe that then the number of people that actually were freed during the Exodus was two to three million people. Anywhere from two to three million people. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. So imagine this with me. Two to three million people for years had been operating under a foreign government. Right? They had been slaves under the leadership, and then suddenly they cross the Red Sea, and they're in this newfound freedom. And they have total freedom to do whatever they want. Think about it. This is a recipe for disaster, right? You put 2.3 million, 2 to 3 million people, and you could say, hey, you're a new nation. You have no rules. You have total freedom. You can do whatever you want. Like, you're going to have something bad, Right? Like, this is stuff that they make movies out of. I think there's a movie actually about this, where one day there's no rules, right? I haven't, I haven't seen it. I don't say that you see it, but I, I'm saying this is stuff they make movies out of, okay? It'd be total anarchy, right? Imagine it. Imagine the United States. All of a sudden, there's no traffic laws. There's no, there's no rules. It would just be pure chaos. Now, God knows this. God knows that a giant group of people need uh, social guidelines. He, they need rules enabled to, for them to be able to flourish. Do you understand what I'm saying? God knows that humans need a social structure or guidelines for them to be able to experience human flourishing. And so it actually, it's out of God's love for the people of Israel that he gives Moses what we know now to be called the law or the commandments. And these are the commandments that God, uh, that Jesus is talking about in Matthew 15. See, God knew it would be total chaos. So he's saying, hey, I'm going to give you some guidelines. I'm going to give you some social structure for you to know how to interact with people. 
And this makes a lot of sense that God, out of his love for people and his desire for them to be a prominent, thriving nation, he would give them rules on how to flourish. So for example, God knows that man has a tendency to overwork himself. Man has a tendency to not rest. Man has a tendency to not take care of himself. So in order for them to have a healthy life, he gave them the command to obey the Sabbath. Do you understand what I'm saying? Those of you who might be familiar with the Bible, God knew that we were going to overwork. So out of his love, he gave him the command to keep the Sabbath. It wasn't just a big book of rules to be a judging God to bring down the gavel and say, hey, you didn't follow through. No, this was actually because if there weren't any rules, people would fall victim to their own humanness. But what happens was, and this is where the story turns, man does what man does best. And man decided that they needed to try to play God. They believed the very same lie that the the devil spoke in the Garden of Eden, that you could be like God. And they missed the entire heart of God. So instead of simply taking God at his word, the scribes, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law would make, would take a commandment that God had given, like keep the Sabbath, and then they would create a whole subset of rule, man-made rules and regulations on how they were to keep these commandments. So when it came to observing the Sabbath, instead of viewing it as God's grace and wisdom on how to flourish in life, they added more rules and attempt to obey it. You guys tracking with me tonight? Rules like, okay, if we need to obey the Sabbath, then that means that you can't cook. That means that you can't carry anything. That means that you can't work, or that that means that you can't uh, buy anything. And the rules got crazy. It was like thousands and thousands of rules in which the people were supposed to follow. What ended up happening is that these man-made rules and guidelines on how to keep the commandments were passed down orally from generation to generation. And over time, these man-made traditions began, began to be on the same level as God's authority. They began to be on the same level as the Bible. So where once God's commands were the only ultimate authority, suddenly these traditions of man began to rise and soon be on an equal playing field with the very word of God. And in that moment, man was playing God. Do you see what I'm saying here? You guys tracking? God gave commandments out of love for the sake of order, and man added to those commandments in order to try to obey them, but they ended up being death. Look at what's happening. The man believing the lie that these commandments were, weren't given out of love, and they changed it to an empty set of rules and regulations so strict that no man could ever keep. And it moved away from being like this beautiful picture of God's love for his people, his his desire for them to flourish, interact with the world, interact with each other. And it turned into a competition as to who could keep the measures of the tradition, who could look the best. 
And for the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, suddenly these traditions became their very source of truth. Truth was no longer found in God's word alone. Truth was found in man's traditions. And they believed with all that they were, they believed in their core that they must follow these traditions, these thousands and thousands of traditions passed on by man in order to please God. And in doing so, traded God's truth for man's lies. In doing so, they traded God's freedom for slavery. Does this make sense? I'm getting a little heady here. I was nerding out a little too much this week. But it really is a beautiful picture of what, what's happening in this story. And this is where, this is what I love about God, guys. And I'm not just up here teaching this because I'm supposed to. I believe this with my very core. I believe this with all that I am. That even though the Israelites missed the point completely, Even though they traded God's truth for a lie, God was still relentless about restoring them and showing them the right way to live. He was relentless about removing the lies and putting everything back to right. God saw what man did to the commandments and he said, hey, that's not my heart. That's not my attention. So you know what God did? He intervened in history And he brought something to put it all back to right. See, God sent somebody to be the embodiment of truth. God sent someone to be the bearer of truth where man believed lies. He sent Jesus himself. God who took on flesh. Jesus says himself, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He came to put the system back on the right track. He came to show people what truth really is. And in doing doing so, removed this self-imposed slavery and give people new life. It's an amazing picture. Jesus came to fulfill the law, to show where truth needed to be found. It's a profound and deep and rich story of God's restoration for the world. So knowing this, let's see how our story plays out. We're almost done here. Let's see how our story plays out. Put the verses back on the screen. So the Pharisees and the scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem. Now, this is important to note. These Pharisees are from Jerusalem. Jerusalem is like the hub of of the Jewish tradition. These guys were like the top of the top. These guys were the most educated. These were the most prolific. These guys were like the guys, okay? They came from Jerusalem to accuse Jesus of something. But not only did they come from Jerusalem, we know from the previous chapter that Jesus and his disciples are are not even close to Jerusalem. They're in a place called Genesaret, which is on the northeastern side of the Sea of Galilee. Now, I don't expect you guys to know your ancient Israeli geography, but that's about a three days walking journey. Okay? So these Pharisees are coming from Jerusalem. They walked three days 
to come accuse Jesus because they were so believing the truth that they had in their hearts, but it was actually a lie. Look at what they say. It's actually hysterical. Um, They said, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. Okay, like, I'm a proponent of, like, washing our hands and, like, hygiene. Like, I'm not saying, like, I'm not saying it is a lie. We don't need to wash our hands. That is not the point of this message. But they believed it in their hearts that they were breaking this tradition that was so deep and so rich. You could imagine it, right? It's like, as if, like, the Pharisees saw, you know, Peter or something, like, at Chipotle, right? And the Pharisees saw Peter, and they're like, Jesus, we were at Chipotle, and Peter, he went into the bathroom, and you know what? He didn't wash his hands. Like, it's, like, actually hysterical to me, okay? Now, Jesus, um, it might seem silly to us, but it shows how deeply convinced they were of these man-made traditions. Remember, these aren't the commandments of God. These aren't the Bible. These are man-made traditions. And I love what Jesus does. He turns it back on them. He shows them the problem in their way of thinking. See, Jesus reveals the truth. He reveals the truth. He says, and why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, honor your father and mother. And whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother what you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father and mother. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. I love it. Jesus is pointing out a scenario to these scribes and these Pharisees, because they're well-educated, Jesus is well-educated. He's pointing out a scenario where the traditions actually uh, aren't in addition to God's word, right? They were, in their minds, they're, they're additions to try to keep the commandments. But actually, Jesus is pointing out, hey, your traditions, the things that you're passing down to be truth, they're actually in contradiction to God and his heart. Jesus is revealing the truth. See, one of the commandments in the Bible is honor your father and mother. You might be familiar with it. It's one of the Ten Commandments. And so in the the Pharisees and their tradition, they created a little loophole on how to not honor your father and mother. So when your father and your mother were broke or needed some money, and they're like, hey, James, like, we're, we need your help. We see that you have this extra land. You have this extra cattle over there. Can you please help us? Can you please give us that extra land, that extra cattle? You don't even need it. The, the Pharisee could say, oh, sorry, mom. Sorry, dad. But that land's actually given to God. It's been dedicated to God, so I can't give it to you. And what would happen is they would get out of giving their land to their father or mother, and in turn, get to just keep the land. It was this brilliant loophole that they made on how to not honor the commandments of God. And by doing this, Jesus says they make void the word of God. Now, this is where he finishes it. It's like a total throwdown right here. Jesus says these words, verse 7, he says, You hypocrites. Did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me? In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines and commandments of men. 
This is one of the only times Jesus uses this strong language towards the Pharisees, using the word hypocrite. And it's actually interesting, the word hypocrite in the original Greek comes from the theater. And it quite literally means to wear a mask or to be an actor in a play. It's as if Jesus is saying here to the Pharisees that they have taken the very word of God, the Bible, the commandments. They've taken God's word and they've replaced it with their own script. And they were merely wearing masks on a stage as actors and people just trying to look holy. Jesus points out that though they're doing the rituals, though they're going through the motions and appearing to be holy, appearing like they have it all together, it's all vanity because they've missed the point completely. They don't know the truth. Their hearts were far from God. And this is where I'm going to land the plane tonight. This is where I want to bring it home. You might be thinking to yourself, okay, I just had a history lesson by James, and that's really cool, and I get it now, okay? Like, law was given by God, it was good, they made it bad, whatever, okay? Like, the Bible, this story just seems so ancient. Like, how does this relate to me here in Orange County, 2018, in the digital age? What does this actually mean? And as I was studying this passage, I realized that this actually... um, it actually speaks to a timeless truth. And it's actually 100% relevant for today. Because I think many of us in this room, myself included, at times, we unintentionally fall for the same set of lies as the Pharisees. We fall for the same set of lies as the Pharisees. Lies that are perpetuated by culture. Lies that are passed down from generation to generation. Lies that are elevated to the point of truth, they're commonly believed to be true, but they aren't true. And really, they, they, or its origin is all the way back to the enemy in the Garden of Eden. The Bible tells us that Satan's plan is to be a deceiver. He's the father of lies, and he's been using the same tricks throughout all of history. See, for the Pharisees, They weren't concerned about the heart. They weren't concerned about the heart. They were simply concerned with the cleansing of the outside. They weren't concerned with the inside. They were concerned with the washing of the hands and getting all the rituals and traditions right. And in doing so, they missed the point completely. And just like the Pharisees, aren't we too, if we're being honest more concerned about the outside appearance than the inside. I'm not just talking beauty here. I'm talking about everything. We live in a culture of cleaning up the exterior. We live in a culture of cleaning up the exterior. exterior, And I believe it plays itself out in three ways. The first being religion itself, right? That we think that if we just go to church if we can just maybe try to stop sinning or whatever that means, maybe we donate to the food bank or we do good things, maybe Christian radio stations like number one in your car, like we think that then somehow God will notice all of these religious things and he'll approve. 
But I think more common in our culture beyond the religious thing, which I think some of us do struggle with, but beyond that, our culture is concerned with cleaning up the exterior through image and appearance. We're concerned with cleaning up the exterior through image and appearance. And I believe that this plays itself out through, the, through some form of the American dream. That if I have the perfect job, if I have the perfect family, if I have that cushioned bank account, if I have that white picket fence, the two and a half kids, you know what I'm talking about, then I will be happy and then I will be satisfied. And I think some of us here have made this American dream, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, the pulse check as to whether or not God's even proud of us. That if we do all this right, then God will somehow honor us and give us the American dream because he's delighted in us. And if we don't have the American dream, then something's wrong with our spirituality. And I, re- I think the reason this has happened is because over time we have been indoctrinated to, think, to believe that we here in the U.S., we're, I mean, if we're being honest, we think we're God's gift to the world. If we're being honest... You see it in our culture. We think that we're God's gift to the world. It's our God-given right to have the American dream. And it's a lie that's passed down from generation to generation. And over time, it's elevated to the point of truth. Now, don't get me wrong. Love America. Love California. Love where we live. Love our freedom. Love that I can stand on this corner and we can worship God freely. It's an amazing, amazing thing. But it needs to be said where the, the, the country of the United States is not the chosen people of God. And it's not God's gift to the world. No, Jesus is God's gift to the world. Can we get this right tonight? Jesus is God's gift to the world. And God's chosen people are those who believe in their heart that Jesus is Lord. Okay? Don't get me wrong. But I think some of us here tonight, we have traded God's vision and purpose for our life with the American vision and purpose for our life. This plays out in one more thing, and then we're done here, guys. I know I'm going a little longer than Kelly. This plays out through celebrity culture, and this is super prominent here in California. Many of us, like the Pharisees, are concerned with the outward appearance, chasing after beauty and fame, I think beauty is the modern day version of clean. That if we can just get rid of the blemishes and the marks, then we can be clean. And it's a multi-billion dollar business. Come on, there's something to it tonight. But not only are we obsessed with beauty, especially millennials and people that are here, we, we are obsessed with fame. We want fame. We want to be popular. So we turn to our social media presence. How does my life look on Instagram? How many followers do do I have? How perfect does my life look? Does it look like I'm on vacation 24-7? Do I have, am I posting pictures of my vacation every day so it looks like my life is perfect? Does everyone think that my life is going perfect and fine? And we're concerned with this fame and this opinion of what people think we are and what our lives look like, and we're really no different than the Pharisees in this chapter. And like I said in the beginning, I know 
I know it's hard to know which lies we believe because they're disguised as truth, but I believe tonight that the Holy Spirit's here and that he's speaking. And some of this might be resonating with you tonight. I'm not, I'm not trying to cast judgment here. I'm just trying to point, point us to the truth tonight. But can I ask you tonight, what, what might be some of the lies that you've traded for God's truth? See, Jesus came to show us the way, to show us the truth, to show us the life. He came saying, hey guys, it's not about the outside. It's not all about that stuff. That stuff's never going to satisfy you. It's not about the ritual. It's not about the religion. It's not about what people think about you. No, it's about a heart that is soft towards me, that trusts me, that believes me when I say I know what's best for you. It's about the heart. That's why the Bible tells us we need to guard our heart for from it flows everything you do. Jesus tonight isn't concerned with these empty actions and rituals. He just wants our hearts, guys. He wants our hearts. We honor God with a heart that believes the truth and the truth is Jesus. Come on, we're in this series about honor. We honor God with a heart that believes the truth and the truth is Jesus. Come on, I have to ask the question, do we really believe Jesus is all that he says he is? Come on, do we really believe it? Do we really believe that there was this man that was the embodiment of God in flesh who died, who rose again, who defeated death, is now seated at the right hand of God, who's coming again to finish the work that he started? Do you believe that that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now living inside of you? Do you believe that Jesus is our ever-present help? Do you believe that he's your peace? He's your anchor. He's your guiding light. Do you believe that Jesus has a plan for you, your life? Do you believe that he has a purpose for you? Do you believe that he has a hope and a future for you? Do you believe that Jesus wants the best for you? Do you believe that he is the thing that is going to fill the void that's aching in your soul? Come on, I am so, so convicted by this tonight. Personally, I'm screaming at myself tonight because belief is the predicate to action. If we really believe something, we're going to act upon it. It's not the other way around. The actions don't predicate the belief. The belief predicates the action. The Pharisees got it all wrong. They were so concerned about the outside, hoping that it would fix the inside. But Jesus is saying, no, it's not about that. It's about the inside and it's going to move out. Come on, if I believe in Jesus, I'm going to be shouting from the rooftops that he's Lord. But can I be honest with you? I don't even know any, Christ, any people that don't know Jesus. And I'm, I'm convicted tonight because I want to be that kind of person. And we want to be that kind of church that knows Jesus and takes him at his word. Come on, you guys with me tonight? We want to be a church that believes that really, truly, in the depths of our heart, Jesus is who he says he is. So I'm getting a little excited tonight. 
I'm just really passionate about this. And God's really been speaking to me. And I hope tonight that God's been speaking to you. I want to end with this tonight. Hebrews 13, 9. And we're done. It's good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. It's good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. I know there's a stirring in your heart. I know Holy Spirit's doing something. But can, can I say tonight, there's so much grace. There's so much grace. Jesus isn't asking you to be perfect. He isn't asking you to have it all together. He's not asking you to do everything right. He's simply asking you, hey, do you really believe I am who I say I am? And if you do, church, it should change everything about you. So let's trade in our lives tonight and let's take back the truth. Let's come back to Jesus tonight. The way, the truth, and the life. Thank you for listening. For more information, check out our website at wearerefinery.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram at wearerefinery. God bless.